It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to take a look at the stats with the resident stat geek over at JetsXFactor.com. Of course, he is the co-founder there as well, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, buddy? Uh, well, I'm just enjoying or coming off of enjoying a second straight weekend of no Jets football, which is a, a treat this season. Usually we would be... Uh, something that would not be so good because I would want to be watching the Jets, but this year it's a, it's, a, it's a relief to not have to watch them for the second straight weekend. That's true because generally every week when we watch the Jets this season, we have major anxiety. I think we all had major anxiety this past week against the New England Patriots because we all wanted the same result, or at least most of us did. And that involves the schedule the rest of the way and how the Jets and the Jaguars and a couple of the other teams, but those are the two main teams, match up in terms of strength of schedule. With each Jets victory, it would put them further and further away from the grand prize that we're all hoping for. So as long as they continue to lose, they're in the driver's seat. But if they were to win a game or two... That makes things a lot more complicated. Thankfully, Michael, you are the one who has come to our rescue and put together a handy chart over at JetsXFactor.com to explain to us how all this strength of schedule stuff works. Yeah, well, like you said, if the Jets do end up winning a game and tying with the Jaguars, or maybe they win a couple games and the Jaguars win one. Uh, But if they do end up high, strength of schedule is going to be that tiebreaker. And right now the Jaguars have that advantage, so that's why it is a nerve-wracking time for the Jets because technically their lead is technically only a half game here because if the Jaguars end up tied, uh, then it's going to be they're going to get the pick as of right now. So it is important for the Jets if if you do want the number one pick for them to claim that strength of schedule advantage, and it's pretty close right now. The Jets have the hardest schedule in the league. Jaguars are, I believe, at the fourth hardest schedule in the league right now. Uh, but coming into this week, there were, and, and and as you said, I laid out all of the games on Twitter. I put out this post that has every single game the Jets need each week throughout the rest of the season that would help them close that gap with the Jaguars. And this wasn't the best week for them, in addition to the Jaguars winning. Uh, although the Jaguars played the Packers really well, so that's promising. But outside of the Jaguars, there were seven games that could have helped the Jets close the gap. And they only got three of them, including... Uh, there were two games in particular that had increased difference uh, because of the their implications on the Jets and Jaguars' schedules. That was the Texans and the Ravens who the Jets needed to win, and neither of them came through. So the Jets did co- go back a little bit in the strength of schedule race coming into the week. Uh, it was a .037 differential 
in their in, in their strength of schedules now it's about 0.44 so it it it, it well they take a little bit of a step back but as you can see even with them losing the difference is not that big so um there's plenty of time for them to make up that gap there are uh, and, and there are weeks where there are a lot more games uh, with implications than this week. There were only seven this week, but week 12 has 10 games. Week 13 has nine. Um, so there are a lot of chances left for the Jets to close this gap, but I laid it all out. I have the post uh, on my account. It's on Jets X Factor as well that has every single team you should be rooting for every week for the Jets uh, to clinch that tiebreaker and get that cushion because you know, if the Jets can get that tiebreaker and have the flexibility to maybe win another game, not go winless, it would it would feel good for them to be able to do that. But also, no, you could still have uh, the prize of Trevor Lawrence. But this is a really important race because the Jets have looked more competent in recent weeks. They played the Bills to one score. They played the Pats are not good, uh, although they did beat the Ravens this weekend, but uh, they did play very well against the Pats or at least relatively for the way they've played the season. Um, so th- the chance is there that they could win a game, even against this hard schedule. They have the two and seven chargers this week. They'll play the Patriots again. Um, the Browns don't look like a great team, even though they're six and three. So the, the chances there, they can win some games regardless of how bad they played. So it very well could come down to strength of schedule. The important thing to remember is despite strength of schedule, what you want is for as many of these teams to get as many wins as possible. I know that sounds elementary, but it is true. In the NFC, there are only two teams that have two wins or less, and those two teams are Washington and the Dallas Cowboys. They still have to play each other, so one of them is going to get that third win. And you also have to figure that with the rest of that division being bad, there's a good chance that both of those teams will get at least one win. In the AFC, this is where it gets a little bit interesting because you do have the Jaguars who are easily the biggest threat based on how bad they are and the fact that they only have one win. In that division, you've also got the Houston Texans. They've got two wins, and you have to assume that a team with Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil is going to be too good to only win two games. That said, they've got to actually do it. The Bengals are 2-6-1, and one, so while they only have two wins, they do actually have more than two wins in terms of the standings in all actuality because that tie means that if the Jets were to get to two wins, the Jets would get the tiebreaker over them because of the fact that the Bengals have that tie. Still, you want them to get to three wins. And the other key team here is the Chargers. They're 2-7, and seven, and as you said, Mike, They go up against the Jets head-to-head this coming week. So this is a huge matchup, not only for the Jets to continue down the path that we all want them to go down, but also for the Chargers to separate and get a little distance in this race. Yeah, and and I think a lot of these teams, I mean, like you said, Houston, um, for that team, they seem too talented to really compete for this top pick. The Chargers are a team that have lost close game after close game. Uh, so it appears that these teams are very likely to get their win at some point. The NFC East teams, like you said, they play each other. So someone, one of those two are going to come out of uh, at least the chance of getting two wins. So, but at the same time, you want to erase any doubt. So any win you can get from any of these teams near the top uh, would be crucial. But um, in addition to strength of schedule, 
that's going to be important. But but again, strength of schedule is it's looking like it's going to be Jets and Jaguars most likely. And a tie is definitely very much on the table. So getting these games and taking that strength of schedule edge is going to be important. It very well could come down to that tie. But at the end of the day, if if you are rooting for the tank, the number one thing is just for the Jets to do what they've been doing so far. And that's uh, especially the past few weeks to lose competitively or at least two of the past three games. Uh, if they can keep doing that, then that should put them in good shape. Although I will say, Michael, Joe Flacco gave a lot of us a lot of anxiety during that game against the New England Patriots on Monday night. That was easily the biggest scare the Jets have had this season, Denver being the other one, but this one was an even greater scare because it took last-minute heroics from Jacoby Myers and Cam Newton to get this done, not to mention some poor decisions by Joe Flacco. But when you looked at what Joe Flacco did overall, he was pretty good. In fact, Joe Blewett did the film study of the game, and he says that Joe Flacco's game in week number nine was easily the best quarterback game of any game this season by a New York Jets quarterback. You took a look at every single play from that game and did your weekly quarterback grade. Is that what you found as well? Yeah, I found the same exact thing. This was definitely the best performance by Jets quarterback this season. And I I do think it was kind of brought down a little bit by a couple of big mistakes late in the game. Uh, He also had uh, what should have been a pick six in the first quarter, but it was dropped. Uh, so he had a few pretty big negative plays, but the the high points were really good in this game and not even near uh, anything that either he touched in either of his first two games or Darnold in any of his six games this season. So that was certainly the best performance by Jets quarterback this season. I do think Darnold's game against the Niners is a little bit underrated. Uh, he did make mistakes that are similar to some of his recurring issues, that you know it were kind of things to come in terms of field vision and decision making things like that but in terms of raw his raw ability throwing the ball he had a lot of really good throws in that game even though the production wasn't there but uh, still wasn't quite as good as Flacco's game against the Patriots so um in, in terms of tanking at least what we've seen so far Flacco has clearly been better than Darnold even his first two games I don't think he was good but Flacco, neither of those first two games to me, even the Miami game, weren't as detrimental as uh, Darnold's, some of his worst games this season against the Bills in the season opener, the Colts, and the Broncos. So, uh, And Flacco did have his top three weapons back. Uh, or The Jets had Perriman Crowder and Mims healthy for the first time. But, I mean, Darnold's played with two of those guys at a time, so I don't think having one extra guy should make that much of a difference um, but, you know, maybe we'll we'll see what Darnold could do if he can play with all these guys. But Flacco gave them by far, even independent of the surroundings, uh, by far their best performance this season by either he or Darnold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
Michael, as I like to say, you're the only person I know that can rival my own insanity in terms of churning out different, interesting, unique Jets content on a daily basis. You do it at JetsXFactor.com. And something that I really liked that you did this past week was you took an in-depth look at three players on the defense, two of them younger players who could be here for a while, another one who's not quite young, but he could be somebody that gets a shot over the next couple of years, if nothing else, as a solid rotation piece. The three guys I'm talking about are Ashton Davis, the rookie out of Cal, Foley Fadakasi, and Harvey Lange, who had a really nice game on Monday night. He's the one that I'm talking about when I said not exactly young, but starting to look better and better and could be a rotation piece going forward. Talk to me about what you saw when you dove in deep on those three guys. Yeah, well, Lange in particular, I mean, he's 28 years old, so he's not exactly young, but he's barely played in the league, so he definitely has some, you know, he, he with not having much playing time, there's definitely, you have got to see much of him, so there could be some untapped potential there for him, and he came out of nowhere, played really well in this Patriots game. The last time we saw him on defense was when he filled in for Cashman in week one, and he was really bad at inside linebacker. Uh, started in this game and looked really good. Eight stops for five yards or less and no first down. Tied for the second most in the league this week. So it was an impressive performance for him. And depending on Cashman's health, we could see a lot more of him. Maybe if Cashman is healthy, he'll still be starting. Uh, so we'll see what Lange can do. He is a restricted free agent after the season. So the Jets do have some control over him, uh, even with his contract expiring. Uh, and then Davis and Fakasi. Davis was all over the field in this game, playing half his snaps at outside linebacker. So it was really in that Jamal Adams type of role. He was making plays both against the run and in coverage, had touchdown saving tackle, clutch pass breakup late in the game. And Fadakasi was just everywhere against the run. He played career high in snaps with Quinton Williams out and played most of them over 70% at nose tackle directly over the center. It's almost unheard of to see someone play at that position that many snaps in a game I mean, you'll see you know some snaps uh, of a guy playing there in, including Fadakasi, but even he never played more than 11 snaps and no tackle before this game he played 39 against the patriots so it's it's very very rare in today's nfl to see that but he was there pretty much full time and made a lot of a lot of big ta- tackles in the run game uh for short gains or for loss so uh those three guys very promising Fadakasi and davis are you know Definitely can, can be considered young players, not so much Langy, but at the same time, he is a guy who we haven't seen too much of. So, they're, you know, he could be a late bloomer. And even Demario Davis for the Jets a few years ago, he was 28 years old when he had his breakout season. Uh, and with the Saints, we've seen that it was a legitimate breakout and he's maintained it. So maybe Langy is doing the same thing now. Only one game doesn't, you know, we can't draw any conclusions from that. Jeff Smith looked great in his season debut against the Broncos, and he hasn't really been able to maintain that at all if we're bringing it nicely. But um, in terms of just this one game, it was definitely great progress for Lange. Michael, if I were to bet on one unit that the Jets will continue to upgrade in the offseason, it's the offensive line. Because while Greg Van Roten has looked pretty good the last few weeks, George Fant has been better than we expected, and Makai Becton has certainly been a beast 
There is going to be some turnover there. Joe Douglas's job is not done. I wish I could bet on this over at my bookie because if I could, I would absolutely jump in with the promo code overtime. Because when you use that code, when you make your first deposit, they'll match you halfway up to a thousand bucks. So if you put in two hundred bucks, they match you a hundred. If you put in a thousand, they match you five hundred. That's the max, and it's basically free money if you're going to bet on these games or any of the prop bets. You can bet right now on the upcoming slate of games in the NFL on Sunday. The college games on Saturday, UFC, MMA, whatever it is you want to bet on, it's all there at MyBookie. Just sign up using the promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit halfway up to a 1000 bucks. And Michael, even though Joe Douglas's job isn't done on the offensive line, as I said, there have been some bright spots. Running back has been a weird position this year where arguably the best guy in that unit has been Shock of all shocks, 37-year-old Frank Gore. You did a deep dive on the offensive line and the running back units. What did you find? Yeah, so what I found is that um, first you look at the Jets' rushing results this season overall. They came out of last week 29th in rushing DVOA and only 3.8 yards per carry from the running backs. That's also 28th. So the production in this phase hasn't been good. And usually that's almost entirely on the offensive line, as we saw with the Jets last year. But when you look a little bit deeper than that, it seems like the running backs are actually the main position to blame for the lack of rushing success. Um, The Jets are 16th in the league in adjusted line yards per carry at football outsiders. That um, It's a stat that kind of takes rushing yards and assigns the responsibility to the offensive line based on the number of yards gained. So that's a pretty good stat for um, evaluating offensive line. Play. The run game, Jets are 16th there. And then at Pro Football Focus, the cumulative run blocking grade of all of their offensive linemen came out of week nine, 14th best in the league, so in the top half. So in those two metrics, they're in the top half of the league. Uh, and that's even with Mekhi Becton only playing 53% of the run blocking or of all the offensive snaps uh, this season. So the offensive lines put up good independently of the other positions. But then when you look at the running backs, um, they're 27th in broken, broken tackles per carry 30th in PFS rushing grade, and also 30th in open field yards per carry, which is number of yards gained beyond 10 yards down the field per carry. So the running back numbers, not good at all, but the offensive lines numbers in the run game independent uh, of some of the surroundings are, they look pretty respectable top half of the league. So, um, when you put those two numbers together and then you see the overall production, uh, it does kind of point to the fact that, you know, the running backs aren't taking full advantage of the quality of blocking the offensive line has given them uh, this season. And it, it's both Gore and P. Ryan, both of them and all these advanced numbers are in the bottom quarter of the league, sometimes bottom five. So uh, both those guys have really left a lot of yardage on the field this season. Last order of business, Michael. I know we touched on this a little bit with some numbers last week. Braden Mann, his rookie season started off a little bit shaky, but he's gotten better and better by the week. You had a chance to look at the film, which nobody ever does when it comes to punters. Maybe Pat McAfee does. I don't know. I haven't asked him about (laughs) it, but you're probably the only other one besides him that would do it. Talk to me about what you saw in the film from Braden Mann. Yeah, well, one of the big and the number I brought up last week is hang time has been improving week over week um, from being near the bottom of, of the league uh, at the start of the season 
to top 10 over weeks eight through nine, uh, actually fourth best in the league, I think over that span. But um, that's really the main thing I'm seeing that the hang time's better. Um, he's making the return team's job easier. Uh, and, and look, in the beginning of the season, the return team's just flat out bad. They're missing tackles that they should have been making. Uh, but Braden Man is making things easier uh, with improved hang time. Uh, he's doing a good job putting the ball against the sideline. Um, against the Chiefs, he had that punt that was just 60 yards straight out of bounds. Doesn't get better than that. Um, so those are really two things. Hang time's better. He's putting the ball against the sideline. Um, he is the talent to be really, really good, and the consistency is getting better and better. Good to hear because there haven't been a lot of very consistently good Jets the last couple of years. So even if it's a punter, I'll take it at this point. We are seeing some positive trends, though. As you said before, Michael, Foley Fadakasi looks pretty good. We're seeing nice things from Ashton Davis. Makai Becton, when he's on the field, has done very well. Denzel Mims has played well since he's returned from injury. Quinnen Williams has gotten better and better and better this season. So there are building blocks here. And now Joe Douglas has the pieces, the draft picks, the cap space, everything he needs to rebuild this team into a winner. It's all going to come down to whether or not he can wisely use those assets. If he can, the Jets are going to be in a really good position. If he can't, we're going to be doing a lot of sad podcasts in the future. Michael Nadia, co-founder over at JetsXFactor.com, where he is also the resident stat geek. Thanks so much for coming on, as always, for the Chronicles of Nadia. Really appreciate it. We know you've got a lot going on at JetsXFactor right now because we just talked about a bunch of the recent stuff, but you're cooking up a bunch of other things that are going to be coming up for the rest of the week. What do you have on tap? Yeah, there should be a lot more film stuff this week. I know Robbie has some stuff going, and for me, I'll be doing uh, looking at the offensive line a little bit. George Fan, Greg Van Roten are playing really well, played good against the Patriots. Uh, might do something on the wide receiver blocking, another quiet issue with this team that uh, is recurring last season, so the wide receiver blocking might look at that. Um, also, I think I'll be doing ranking of uh because before the bye week i did ranking of the team's uh most negatively impactful players or their worst players so far so i might be doing ranking of their best players so far and there have been a lot not a lot but a, a good number of players who have played pretty well this season have made a positive impact so would like to give them some recognition uh, as we've been doing throughout the season but uh, I think those are the main things throughout this week, but uh, this will be a very interesting second half of the season as the tension rises with this Trevor Lawrence race. Make sure that you're following Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania and check out his work daily at JetsXFactor.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn on the jets.com <laughs>